We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, let's go dive into the qu- to the mailbag here, and and again, so we'll we'll get to some some star and some questions here a little bit. But I, I thought this, uh, I thought there was one comment, and I can't find it from John Erickson. It was really funny. He's like, I can just see it now. The the board after the the game say who who thought it was a good idea to play all these young guys against Navy. <laughs> like, okay, John, good point. There are exceptions to the rule. That's funny. But, What's funny though is, in seriousness, I thought the young guys are the guys that played the best against Navy. Yeah. Benjamin Morrison was great against Navy. Jalen Snead Jaylen showed Snead a lot. Was really yeah. good against Navy. The guy yeah. that struggled was Marist. You know, yes, is a senior. It's, it's the- a good. It's a good point about Benjamin Morrison, yeah. Brian, because he didn't even start in that football right. game, and then he came in, and you're like, he's good. He's yeah. fine. He's getting off Why? blocks. He's making tackles. <laughs> like he's fine. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought that was a great comment, uh, John. And I, I couldn't find it. I should have started. And I didn't start because I was just kind of scrolling through looking for questions. I just got a chuckle and then kept scrolling. I was like, you know, I should have started that and read that, uh, read that to people. So my bad on that. But it was very, it was very good, John. Very well done. Very well done. Let's get to some more here. ERO 5.20. It's been said that Tommy Reese was limited on offense due to some positional weaknesses. Do you think Al Golden felt there were weaknesses on defense that he had to protect? You want to take it? I, I never heard that, Ryan, and and I don't think he coached that way. In yeah. my opinion, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that it was a like. I don't think he was. I don't think he was reserved defensively because he thought there were some limitations. Ero, like I don't think that you looked at him and said like he's you know not blitzing a ton or he's doing this type of coverage because he just didn't trust what he had at the positions and. I I, th- I mean, because I think Al Golden's a smart guy, obviously, right? Like, he's been coaching a long time. I have great respect for Al Golden. I really do. I mean, I learned a lot from him just be, just watching him at Temple here right over the bridge for me, right? Like, I learned a lot about football just watching his teams play. And I'll say this. I, I also think that he's not – he's a smart guy, so he's not going to look at a position that you have Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart and – a linebacker room, the the freshmen that we've talked about, including Prince Kali and 
talk about the defensive line of Isaiah Foskey and Jason Amalou. Like I, I, I really just find it hard to believe that he looks at that unit and said, I lack talent in certain areas. Is there spots that need to get better? Of course. It's just a natural maturation, right? But I, I don't think that you saw any evidence based upon how he called a football game this year that you would say that he thought that he had a lack of talents. Because there were times where I thought he was a little over aggressive at times too. Like it wasn't always like there were a lot of blitzes like in the middle section of the season. I'm just like, why are they blitzing so and much? That's the thing is they got too aggressive against some of the teams that were underwhelming yes. and then passive against some of the better teams. And it's like, just be you right. Like I, it, it, it was, yeah, it was kind of puzzling, but yeah, Ryan, we agree. I don't, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a scenario in which he was coaching. Like he didn't have confidence in, the linebackers like mm-hmm. he did. And, and matter of fact, I think you could argue the opposite. Yeah, you he don't ask him to like do, a, thought, do so right, much. And, right, yeah, right. They were asking to do too much. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he just, this is my scheme. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And let's get better at See, So like Freeman did that last year, and it, it didn't start well. You know, they, right. they struggled against Florida State. They had some issues, gave up two huge plays against Navy, had the blown uh, coverage on the – or the blown blown read on the quarterback run late in the game that gave Toledo the lead. There were mistakes, yeah. but you could see it start to click. And when it did click, that last month and a half of the season, they were dominant on defense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they didn't play any good, a lot of good teams. They played a lot of good offenses, though. That's the thing. They didn't play a lot of good teams, but they played a lot of good offenses and shut them down. Yeah. And when they did play teams and weren't good, they dominated them. Like they had three BCs last year, right? Like they had the one this year, but they had three games like that last year mm-hmm. where they just absolutely dominated weaker opponents on defense with their defense. We never saw that light bulb go off. Actually, we I thought we did kind of like in that Clemson, mm-hmm. um, you know, Syracuse, the light started to go off. There were still some, some big mistakes, but we felt coming out of the game, like, you know, yeah, there were still some things to clean up, but you know, I, I actually saw some stuff from this game that I liked. Obviously, Clemson, the defense, did great. I thought they played great at linebacker in that game. And then Navy happens, and it's just like, okay, you take the step back. And then, you know, you play great against BC, and then USC is just this giant step back defensively. And so they never just built on that success the way that they did in, in 2020. And and the way they did in 2017, I mean, that's kind of what we saw from Elko's unit too is – you know, they were okay early, mm-hmm. but, you know, gave up 16 points in the opener against Temple, gave up 20 to Georgia, 20 to BC. And then after that, it was like 18, 17, 10, 14, 14 against some pretty good football teams. The Wake Forest game wasn't great. And they gave up 41 points in Miami, but let's be honest, if you go back and break that game down, that was not on the defense. Uh-huh. Yeah, like two pick sixes. You were, had another touchdown that was set up. I mean, the defense actually kept them in that game for a while. Played well against Navy, played well against Stanford. It's the offense is the one that shot him in the foot. But you can mm-hmm. see when the light went on in Elko's defense. And the same thing with Clark Lee's defense and, and you know, his defenses. Like you could see at some point in time the light would go on for that mm-hmm. team and the defense would start playing better and better and better. Uh, you know, so I just I need to see I need to see that from Al Golden's unit. And we didn't see that from Al Golden's unit. Yep. But hopefully we will. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Brian Hockney with a question. I asked this yesterday if you answered disregard, but what are your thoughts on the 2024 twins, Jacob and Jared Smith from Connecticut? You asked this uh, yesterday. We didn't get to it because uh, Ryan had just talked about it the day before, but there are still some people who maybe didn't see that show. So we'll bring it up again today, Brian. Uh, And it's not that I didn't want to answer. It's just we were kind of running low on time, Brian. So I just kind of had to, some things had to kind of go by the wayside and we just couldn't get to everything. And since we had talked about that day before I passed it, but he brought it up again, Ryan. So for people who, weren't able to listen to the Monday show, just share your thoughts. Obviously, these are the 2024 defensive linemen. They're twins from the state of Connecticut. Jared and Jacob Smith visited Notre Dame during the season. And also, did they visit during the summer as well? I No, I think just during the season. Just during the yeah. season? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of give your thoughts on, on mm-hmm. them as players and where things stand in their recruitment. Yeah, I mean, so – the coaches obviously were out yesterday to to visit the school. They they play in the state of Connecticut, and so really interesting pair, honestly, Brian. Right, like Jacob Smith is the longer defensive end, like the true edge rusher. He's a viper type. He's six five, two hundred twenty five pounds, and the system they run, they run a lot of three man stuff. So he actually plays a lot of like four four eye at times for their defense. But you immediately see when you pop on the film Jacob Smith. That kid is long, and he is twitchy, man. So that's the type of kid that you get in a weight room, you know, you blink your eye, and he's 245, 250 pounds, and he's that type of bendy edge rusher that Notre Dame needs more of, right? Like, that's the guys they need. They need that Viper type that can kind of bend that outside track and win with explosiveness and twitchiness, and that's what Jacob Smith is. Jared Smith, for me, he reminds me a lot of Jason Adam Malola. A lot about like he's now a 6'3, 6'4, 
265-pound defensive lineman that plays a little bit inside and out right now. So they play that three-man front. You'll see him aligned more on the interior. You'll see them lined in like a true defensive end spot. I think that he has a frame that he's going to be 6'3 and some change, 285 pounds down the line. He's going to be more of that true three technique in a defense. So think that you have a very interesting pairing because they're very different football players. You have a true Viper in Jacob Smith. Jared Smith is more of an inside-out three-tech type, which is interesting, obviously, for a pairing. Where they are, like I said, the coaches were out yesterday to visit the school. I've had conversations with both brothers over the last couple of days, you know, with with uh, obviously the dead period being lifted. They think very highly of Notre Dame. They do. And we know just talking to sources that Notre Dame kind of reciprocates that interest in them. So I think Notre Dame has high opinions of them from everything that we've gathered. I know the twins both really like Notre Dame, and I think they're going to be absolutely in the running. I, both of the brothers have kind of been on the – on the standpoint of we're not going to rush this decision as much. It's probably more of a spring summer decision for, for, you know, kind of coming up, but if it's spring, it's going to be very late spring, but probably more of a summer decision. But I think Notre Dame is in a very good spot with the Smith brothers. And I think that they would bring a lot to a defensive line room, a lot of raw raw traits, a lot of excitement. I know as a sophomore, that pairing had like, they had like, almost 60 tackles for loss combined and like 20 sacks. Like they were just ridiculous as sophomores. And then as you can imagine, they continue to do the same stuff as juniors. So I really like Jacob and Jared Smith though. I think that they would be an incredible get at Notre Dame if they're able to close on them. And I think that they are in a very good spot with them so far. Good stuff. Next question. So there you, you go, Brian. And and I know that he wasn't alone in, in one or not with obviously the news about Brandon Davis Swain decommitting this weekend. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, asks, what young player are you most excited to see play or get time in the bowl game that we haven't been talking a lot about? Uh, should we do one on each side of the ball? I think sure. that's probably the best way, right? Sure. I mean, we've talked a lot about Jalen Seed. I'm going to say Joshua Burnham. Burnham's one for me because i just seen him in person, man. He is really developing physically. I like the profile he has from a length, explosiveness perspective. I don't know how much I'm going to expect him to play in the bowl game, but if he does, I'm going to have my eyes definitely peeled on number 40 to see what he can bring off the edge. On the offensive side of the football, we've seen him, but I'm excited to see Holden Stace in this football game. You know, with Michael Mayer out, he's obviously going to have some opportunities working with Mitchell Evans. So I'm excited to see Holden Stace on the offensive side of the football. I'm excited to see Joshua Burnham if he gets some reps at at Viper in this game as well. Yeah. I think I'm still – I know we – I'm going to kind of cheat. He says that we haven't talked a lot about, we've talked a lot about Tobias Merriweather, but I want to see him a lot. I do. I want to see him play in this game. He's a, he's a young player that I would like to see. Uh, the problem on offense is most of their best young players are already playing. You know, I mean, your two left tackles are sophomores. Your two, your top two rushing back, your runners and running back are sophomores. Your starting quarterback is going to be either a sophomore or freshman. Deion Colsey's a sophomore. Lawrence Stiles is a sophomore. Jaden Thomas is a sophomore. Mitchell Evans is a sophomore. So Notre Dame is actually, it's kind of funny. Like, have you heard one time this year where Marcus Freeman's really just, or Tommy Reese have just used as the, just harped on the lack of experience that they have? as a reason for their struggles, the way that Brian Kelly did last year when they had a fifth year senior quarterback, a junior running back, a senior wide receiver, you know, I mean, they had a fifth year senior receiver. You you could have used it a lot more this year than last a, year. Yes. A sixth year yeah. senior right guard, uh, you know, a senior center, you, you know, 
it was always a BS excuse. This year, you could have actually used that excuse. And they, they <laughs> didn't. They would note that they're young, but they never use it as an excuse for not playing. Right. It was always like, look, we're young, so we've got to figure out a way to get these guys to where they need to be. It was always acknowledging the youth, but not use it as an excuse the way it was last year when they weren't actually a young football team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but those, those – you hope – that those struggles this year and all the youth is then going to pay off next year. That's the hope. I think it will. I think it will. Defensively for me, you know, we don't, we don't talk a lot. I mean, you mentioned Burnham, Mm -hmm. you know, Tyson Ford is a guy, but Nolan Ziegler is a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing, even if it's on special teams, I'd go with Jalen seeds, my number one. If you took out the haven't been talking about, a lot about, I'd say Jalen Sneed if you took that part yeah. out, but we talk about Jalen Sneed all the time. Mm-hmm. The guy that we don't talk a lot about is Nolan Ziegler. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, he is a really long and athletic kid that you know was a bit overlooked in the recruiting class because of he had been committed so long. Mm-hmm. But his senior film was really good. And he graded out as a top 150 guy on my board. Like he's I mean, Jalen Sneed's legit, right? Athleticism, right? His, we like him. Josh Burnham's a top 100 guy. We talk a lot about those guys. Nolan Ziegler's a wild card for me. Does he play Rover? Can he play Will? Will he fill out enough to be a Mike? But you talk about putting – here's the thing. You put him and Jalen Sneed and Prince Colley on the field, no one's complaining about Notre Dame's length or athleticism anymore. Nobody. And so – Somebody made this, and, and I should have started. I didn't, but somebody made a comment too. It's like you can't really buy the whole. Well, you've got to play the veterans because they know the system thing. That that worked with Joe Schmidt because Joe Schmidt just wasn't very good after the injury. Joe Schmidt was actually a decent player in 2014, mm-hmm. but once the injury happened, he just lost a step, and he couldn't afford to lose a step. He was just not good in 2015, and it's not his fault. He was trying his best, but he didn't make a lot of mistakes he just Mm -hmm. wasn't good enough to make a lot of plays that's not true of this group they make a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. which makes it even less like justifiable to not play the younger guys let prince collie make a mistake but let him make it 100 miles an hour because the guy in front of him is not just making mistakes he's making big mistakes Mm -hmm. you know like instead of him yeah yeah prince collie may make a mistake where he hits the a gaps or the b gap it's not good but mm-hmm. Maris is making mistakes where he's not hitting either gap. He's dropping into coverage. Like, it's just weird stuff, right? You know, on, on the goal line, too. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just very weird stuff. So you can't yeah. you can't use that excuse of, well, at least they know the system. You can't use that, okay. right? And so those guys need to play. Brandon Plensner says, Brian, who besides Josh Burnham or Junior Tui Alamaka has uh, moved to Viper, or is it just those two? So I've been told but from sources that we've seen – well, I, I won't say it. I probably shouldn't have said what I said. We'll just see how the game plays out because I don't want to give away stuff. But, yeah, so I shouldn't have said what I said. So just pretend that didn't happen. Uh, so they, I'm definitely they, not going to double moved, down it. They moved Tyler Buckner to Viper? Right. Wow, it's crazy. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just – just yeah, just let it, let it play out. So I said that in frustration, but, yeah, so yeah. let it play out. Right, here's one from Keith Wiegand. What about the kicker from USF? Thoughts? 
so basically that's Spencer Schrader is yes. the kid who committed to Notre Dame from South Florida, committed to Notre Dame last night. We are expecting this round. I believe you guys talked about this in your show on Monday mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. you did expect him to, you know, Notre Dame was, was, you know, in obviously in a, in a great place there. Yeah. Uh, interesting player walked on at South Florida has been their primary field goal kick or not pri- extra point kicker for four years was only a field goal kicker for the last three. He did have three games where he kicked field goals in 2019. He's been their kickoff guy for four years. He has mm-hmm. a 22 yard rushing touchdown that he had in 2019 against UConn. He has a, he punted once I think at one mm-hmm. point in time, but uh, went 11 of 13 last year, I think nine of 13 this year. Yeah. Uh, strong leg. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, numbers are pretty good, but hasn't kicked a ton of field goals, but he's been pretty good when he has. Right. So why don't you just give people I know you were studying the film last night. You were you're like, I can't believe I'm watching kicker film last night. But um, <laughs> so what you saw from film. But then also, if you could just share with people some of the stuff that's in the article. So Ryan yes. wrote an article at IrishBreakdown.com. Check it out where he talked to uh, is a corn blue is the guy's name, right? Brandon corn blue. Yeah. Who is one of the, he's like the Chris sailor, JJ, the, the Cole kicking. Like he's, he's on the level with those guys. And mm-hmm. he actually is the personal kicking coach for yes. Spencer Schrader. So Ryan talked to him, got some feedback. So Ryan give what you think of the kid and then also share some of the feedback that you got from coach corn blue as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you see moments of really good stuff with, Spencer Schrader. I mean, like you said, Brian, I mean, if you look at 2021, you're like 11 out of 13, including a 52 yarder. Like that's awesome. Last year as a kickoff guy, he had 50 touchbacks on, on 62 total kicks. Right. So you're like, that's a darn good percentage, you know? So like, there's a lot of good stuff, like former walk on a kid that has apparently been very underrated throughout the process, both as a recruit and then throughout his career, but there's been moments of some really good stuff. There's been some inconsistencies as far as the percentage of the field goals, but I mean, and and you hurt my feelings last night because you never said anything back to the, I gave you a video of him kicking and you never mm-hmm. even said anything back to it. I can't, well, I just can't, man. I can't, I just, I can't. Oh uh, man, I was watching all 22 of kickers yeah. last night. And you couldn't even give me a, the, wow, that the, was nice. cause here's, here's why. Um, yeah. Good job for doing your job, Brian. Great job, buddy. Well done. Um, I'm kidding. Here's what I can tell about a kicker. Is his approach consistent and does he have a fast leg? That's the extent of my kicking knowledge, right? So, like, I just try not to – I try not to get into things that I just don't – I couldn't – you know, I'd rather you talk about it. I'd rather someone who coaches kicking talk about it. I just – I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Now, I haven't always known what I don't know, but that's what being older and wiser teaches sometimes. Like, you don't have to comment on everything, and especially if you don't know anything. So kicking is is – I know that a guy's good or not because I can see the results, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can can see, like, the athleticism. I can see, you know, guys have a pretty consistent approach. I can can evaluate his approach time Mm -hmm. and leg speed, and that's it. But I don't know how all that ties together to make a good kicker. You know what I mean? I just see the results. I also know what I do not know, and I'm not really a kicking guy. So I went Mm -hmm. to Brandon Cornblue to tell me, hey, I know you work with him. You're going to be a little biased, but tell me your opinion of Spencer Schrader. Tell me. I don't know anything about him. All I know is the last three years, he's he's 75% on field goals. He was 11 out of 13 in 2021. He's been a pretty good kickoff guy for them last year. Tell me about him. So – from Brandon's perspective, he said that this is an NFL level kicker from a talent perspective. He has a leg that should give him an opportunity to play at the next level. 
We'll see, obviously, if that happens. But tremendous fit from everything he told me. Comes from a great family. He's been under-recruited. He's a hard worker, high academic kid. Would be a tremendous fit in, in Notre Dame, in his opinion. And kind of the whole conversation started. Spencer Schrader, Notre Dame was on his top of his list, apparently, pretty early on in this process. Mm-hmm. And he talked to Brandon about it. And Brandon knows Brian Mason. So, you know, he reached out and kind of connected those dots. And Brian Mason kind of, you know, I guess thinks highly of Brandon for for the work that he does. And it, this thing happened very quickly, <laughs> very quickly, very, very aggressively. And yeah. Notre Dame got it done. But, you know, from every all the accounts that I've, from people that I trust that know the kicking position much more than I do, kid's talented, right? Mm-hmm. Will it be consistent in Notre Dame? We'll see. But he's 6'2", 180 pounds, strong leg, has had some really good moments in his career. And now he's going to be on a much bigger yeah. stage. So it's going to be He's going to look like a giant yes. after Blake Groupie kicking for you. And, and Blake's a nice kid and, and, yep. and, you know, he's got a pretty good leg too. Just wasn't consistent, you know, this year, but uh, it, it, he's going to, I mean, he's lit really little. So Spencer Schrader is going to look like, man, Notre Dame's got like a power forward playing kicker that are, you know, kicking for him this year. The one thing I will say that the, the one thing that stood out to me statistically was Ryan, 50 of his 62 kickoffs this year went for touchbacks. Yes. I'm personally just a. Uh, I know there's some teams you can maybe pin, but I honestly feel like there's just too much risk. If you really trust your defense, just don't give them a chance to steal yards on a kick return, unless the team's just not good at it, and you really think you can pin them. Uh, but the other the other part too that I'll say about him is this: is I like the part that you had said where the kid reached out to to Coach Cornblue and expressed interest in Notre Dame. Yes, exactly. I think that's so big. You know, that's mm-hmm. so big because it, it just tells you this kid, this is a kid that's going to be bought in. He wants to be yep. here. He knows what he's getting into, right? And he's played at Notre Dame. Now, he didn't play in front of a crowd because it was 2020 South Florida and there was mm-hmm. no crowd, but he's been here. He played here. He, he had a, I think he had a kickoff against Notre Dame. He wasn't their primary uh, kicker at the time or place kicker at the time. Well, and they got shut out. So he didn't really get a chance to do any kicking that year. But, uh, you know, so he, uh, He's been here before. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's kicked on the field, even though it wasn't a game. He's kicked on the field, so he knows what he's getting he's get himself into. I just like when a kicker wants their name because he knows the stage. I mean, he knows the magnitude of what that would mean. I also like that his career long this year was against Florida. Mm-hmm. So it was in a, you know, it was at the swamp in a big moment, loud crowd and all that kind of stuff. So I liked that as well. Well, I, one thing I've learned, Brian, is, you know, kicking is a very – monotonous thing right like it's the same approach consistent consistent mm-hmm. consistent good swing all that type of stuff right but i think kickers are judged and we know this by what you do in the biggest moments right like that's when the game's on the line when it's a go-ahead field goal when you have a game tying field goal, like those types of situations that's where kickers are judged so i mean i'm hoping for the best for spencer obviously for notre dame's sake of everything and he's going to have a lot of opportunities to have some big kicks, I think, at in Notre Dame next year. So we'll see what happens. But seems like a talented kid that will fit very seamlessly as far as from a character perspective. So, all right, here's another one here from Arrow five point two zero. Said Brian, how would you sell the IB message board to someone considering joining? In comparison to other boards that cover Notre Dame, if you are familiar, other than better information, well, you kind of took out the best part. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what would you say about this person other than that they're, you know, 
name the best thing about them. And other than that, what, what are they, I think the, the, the better information is kind of a big part of it. And it's, it's rely. I think, I think our information tends to be more reliable. Uh, everybody gets things wrong, but I don't think what we don't get things wrong pr- from the standpoint of boy, that wasn't actually true. It's just things change. Right. Um, we try to share with you what's our opinion and how we're feeling compared to what we're being told. And, and the difference there, I think the engagement is different on the board. Look, everywhere you go, when you have thousands of people and thousands of personalities involved, you're going to get people that aren't necessarily the nicest or, you know, most polite or whatever, but we have a lot of good debate and it rarely turns into personal attacks. And when the people do turn it into personal attacks, I deal with them and they either stop or I make them stop by not letting them post anymore. But I've rarely had to do that. And, and we had some people like that that would kind of come and troll and always kind of be negative. And, and we just got rid of them. And the board's been much better since then. And as way less arguments and way less debates, you know, there's times where people will kind of, you know, jump on it. And then, you know, we deal with it. But like we had somebody post last week, Ryan, that, that says, hey, I'm on all the boards. And I got to be honest, this is the nicest board there is, you know, <laughs> I saw and, that. Yeah. you know, yeah. because if, if somebody's getting ganged up on, you know, we we don't always see it, but when we see it, we deal with it, right? We handle it. But, you know, I, I think there's just a level of respect on our board that doesn't always exist at the other places. And we fight hard to make it stay that way. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not strong disagreement or pushback or dude, you're wrong. I mean, that's okay. That's not a personal attack. A personal mm-hmm. attack is dude, you're an idiot. Right. That's a personal attack. Saying you're wrong is not a personal attack. And, and there are some people on the board that view me saying or someone else saying you're wrong as a personal attack but as long as you're not that sensitive it's a fun place to be a lot of great conversation um it's also a community more so than just a message board to talk football we have people that you know reach out and say hey, i'm struggling with something i got something going on we had a, a, a guy who's been a member of our board who lost everything he had in the in the hurricane that hit florida so he asked if he could put his GoFundMe page on the board, and he did. And several thousand—I mean, within 24 hours—had had made had added a couple thousand dollars to his to his uh, need, and to the point where he got back on the board and said, "Hey, our needs have been met. If you're still wanting to give, here's you know, give to others." I mean, that's the kind of community we have. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is, yeah, the information's great and the dialogue is good, and we always drop our intel there. But it's just a, it's a great, it's a great community. Not not everybody sees eye to eye. There's Politically, people on the right, politically, people on the left, but we keep politics out of it because, and we focus on the unifying things, which is we all love college football and more specifically, we all love Notre Dame football. So I think those are the reasons why uh, our board is better. And here's the other one it's half the price. So I know (laughs) on three is doing their like $1 for the first year thing, but after that, it it jumps up to, you know, basically $10 a year, right? And uh, it's rivals and 247, I believe, are both still $9.99 a year. Or a month, forty or ninety nine ninety nine for a year. We are four ninety nine a month and forty nine ninety nine a year, because the reason why is the message board is ours. It's I own it. Irish Breakdown owns it. It's our thing. We don't split half the revenue with Yahoo or CBS Sports or whoever the investors are at On Three. It's it's ours. So instead of charging what they charge and just making way more profit, but then also making it less affordable for some people, we decided to go with as, as, as low of a price as we could afford and, and trying to keep it that way. And my vow has been, we will not raise the price for at least the first three years of the message board. Well, we just celebrated our one year anniversary. And especially now with the economy, the way that it is, you know, 
we're doing okay. We don't need to, to, to up it up, you know, up it. Cause the things that are causing prices to soar are not things that go into what we do, right? There's nothing about what we do that's caused the prices to go up. So we're not going to put that burden onto you guys. So, um, cause we want to, we want to make it affordable for people as well. So that's another reason I think that mm. uh, our board makes it better. I, so. I, I, I think the community aspects, the biggest thing though, for me, Brian, I've never been on another Notre Dame message board, obviously, but I have seen other message boards where, you know, it's kind of just information laden and then people just post whatever the heck they want. Right. And it's just like, it gets very aggressive (laughs) very quickly. And I I do feel like there's a lot of good conversation on the board, which makes it makes you feel like you're a part of something, which is great. Right. Cause I want, I, we want it to be that way. Like that's why we have the IB nation shirts, right? It's, it's, it's because we want to be a group. We want to be a community of people that have similar passions with all types of different backgrounds. And we have people of different races, people of different sexes, people of different religions. I've had people like, you're not a Catholic. Like, you know, like we have people of different political persuasions. I mean, we have people from different countries, but there's Mm -hmm. a unifying thing that we all have. And that is respect for each other doesn't mean we always have to agree with each other and a community where we care about each other. And you'll see people that are always arguing. But when one of those people asks for a prayer request, one of the first people to jump in and say, man, you got it. I got you is the person you always arguing with. Yep. And I think those are things because at the end of the day, this is football, man. We're talking football. This isn't life or death. This isn't all this other stuff. Talk football. Occasionally as Irish blooded, just saying occasionally talk history, <laughs> you know, and other stuff, but we don't talk politics and that's, you know, cause that's a very divisive thing. And we, we definitely keep that off the board, whether you agree with me or not. And that's the thing is I don't let people that agree with me, you know, get away with things either. It's like, dude, stop. We're not talking about that. So anyway, so that's why I think you should uh, join, join. I think, I think you'll enjoy. I've, I've not had anybody reach out. Say a uh, funny story. There's a guy that canceled his membership. And the reason why is he found out that I'd blocked him on Twitter because I don't, Twitter doesn't pay me. So I got to the point where I used to argue with people all the time on Twitter and get really aggressive. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy anymore. And I don't want to get into that anymore. And it's just not worth my time. And people on Twitter, I find to be uh, very disrespectful a lot of times because, you know, they're hiding behind a fake name and a, and a, and a, and a phone or a keyboard. So they, they want to act tough, right? I got a point where I was like, if you want to come at me with with some personal stuff, then just whatever, I'm going to block you. So I blocked the guy and he found out and he's like, you know, I want to cancel my account because you shouldn't want me on your board because, uh, you know, you have me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> and then he said, I can find information elsewhere. About was it about three months later? Because I says, hey, I actually couldn't find I couldn't find it elsewhere. So I'm back. Please unblock me on Twitter. I did, you know, and but it's like. Here's someone who left a little frustrated, not because of the board, but because of I blocked him on Twitter and he thought he could find what we offer out there somewhere else. And he realized he couldn't. And so he came back and he saw, but also got unblocked on Twitter and I haven't had any issues with him since then. So, uh, but it, I mean, he was very respectful in the, in the conversation where he's leaving. He wasn't a jerk. He wasn't disrespectful. It was a great conversation. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think that's, I think those testimonials are my favorite ones, right? <laughs> where it's like, you know, I thought I could get, I could find something else better out there, but I realized I could. So yeah. So it's a, funny. yeah, it's a good one. So anyway, let's get to some more questions here. Irish blood. says question about CB nation and viewership. Do you know if a whole video needs to be watched to count towards monetizing it, or can you just click on it and watch a small bit and click on the next one? So it really, so right now with CFB nation, it doesn't have, it's not monetized. 
So right now, and, and I'm going to start putting more videos. We haven't put any videos up there in a couple of weeks because it's not monetized and, and we've been kind of busy and, and I'm the only one right now that does any of that. Uh, so I'm going to start, I've got a couple of videos I'm going to put up today. John Garcia is going to start recruiting, re, re, doing some recorded recruiting stuff, leading up signing down, put those on CFB nation. But honestly, right now it's about time. We need watch hours. We have over a thousand, we're up to 1400 subscribers. We don't have enough watch hours. So in order to get monetized, you have to be, I believe it's a thousand subscribers and like 4,000 watch hours. We're at like 2.7 watch hours. So basically what we need is people to watch as long of the video as possible. Now, when it gets monetized, if you just watch a couple bits, you get the intro commercial and whatever other commercials and we get some, we get some credit for that. But anytime you're trying to help us out, the longer you watch, the more videos that play and letting the video, the commercials play all the way through uh, is better. So I think it's like 15 seconds. You need at least like the whole five second videos or at least 15 seconds of the ones that can be skippable or something like that. But I don't YouTube, put too much YouTube's into that. YouTube's weird, man. Y'all got to do what weird. you got to do, right? So, um, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Now, as far as um, if you're doing it on the podcast app, just play it and just like, you know, it's done it. They, I don't think they track like who listened to the whole thing or whatever. It's just, it's just downloads on the podcast app and that that's monetized. We are actually getting monetization for that. So I think I appreciate that, that question very much. Robert Bishop says, I really thought we'd know something about the transfer quarterback by now. A little surprised. I, I think people need to be patient. Let it play out. There could be, I'm not saying there is, just saying there could be a lot of different reasons why we haven't heard anything. Um, some kids uh, have bowl games to play and are not planning on jumping the portal just yet. They want to play their bowl games. That could be it. Just saying. So um, all I will say is Notre Dame has been very active with portal quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Some kids were quickly out because they're like, okay, well, what's your offer? Uh, the chance could be for starting job. No, 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 no. What's your other offer? Okay. Good luck wherever you're going. Because that's not how we do it. it. We want you to come here because you want to compete and try to win a championship and maximize your potential draft value. That's that's the value here. If you're just looking for a handout, this isn't the place for that. And yep. there are quarterbacks like that. So um, I would just say be patient. Let things play out. Okay? Bowl game start here. It's next week. Let's just see how things go. I would be shocked if we haven't heard something by a week after the bowl game is over at the latest. So just let it, let it play out. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Cause I just want people to just let it play out. We'll have a lot more to say on it at the time. Robert or uh, Irish blooded says, what, how, how do you weigh as a coach the, this, this late in the season development attempts versus putting the next guy in. And then he kind of brought up the offensive line thing, right? He says, basically thinking back to the early in the season, when so many people wanted changes in the old line, but it was better option to give uh, the same ones more time. Mm-hmm. You want to take a first crack at this, Ryan, and then I'll follow up yeah, if I have I, more. I, I think for me, you have a 12-game sample size of what your linebacker room has looked like, for instance, right? So I'm going to use the linebackers as an example. You haven't seen it. You saw a couple games where linebackers as a whole play pretty well, but then you've seen a whole lot of, not great otherwise, right? So it hasn't been like exponential developments. You haven't seen sort off not great, got a little better, got a little better, and then now you're playing well at the end of the season. It's kind of been didn't play great, played good for a couple of games, and then you're back down to where you were to start the season, right? So the player development side, 
just hasn't happened. So there could be several reasons for that. And we talked about it a lot, obviously, early in the podcast. But how I can weigh development attempts versus putting the next guy in is in this football game coming up here, if I see one, Coach Golden maybe take some accountability and say, hey, I wasn't putting these guys in the right position to be as successful as possible. So let's change up a little bit of like what I'm going to ask them to do. You can see that stuff, right? That's some could be a schematic approach, but also could just be a philosophical approach as far as what am I going to ask Maris Loifau to do? What am I going to ask J.D. Bertrand to do? What am I going to ask Prince Khalid? Like whoever the linebacker is in there. You can see that growth. But then also, it, if you see a coach decide, I can't get the most out of that player for X, Y, and Z, and you bring in another player, then you can still see gr- growth from a, from a coaching perspective because I think it still shows that you – can find a role for a player in your defense for a specific reason. But I mean, Brian, for me though, in this game, it's literally what is coach golden asking these players to do? What is a coach asking their guys to do? Has it changed what your standpoint is? Because I mean, I've talked about this a ton, right? In, in a certain role, Maris Loifal could still be a productive player, but we've also seen that when he is not using the right role, he can be a hindrance to you. So in this game, do you ask him to just do one thing really well, and then you also get some other guys more playing time behind him? Or do you just kind of th- throw everything out the window and say we're just going to stick to what we do and it's going to look the same? So I think it's just more of a maturation of of say, asking yourself, what can I do to make that player better? And then you could see those instantly as far as, are you asking him to trigger faster? Are you asking him to do this, X, Y, and Z? Like I think that there's ways that you can see if a coach has grown because he'll say, what can that guy do well for me? And I'm going to ask him just to do that. That's that's the baseline. I think the other thing too, Ryan, is context. I think all that – I agree with all that. The other thing is context, right? What is the context of a situation? With the offensive line position, it was you literally had three guys playing a brand-new position from what they played the year before. Right. You had Josh Lug moving from tackle to guard. You had Zeke Rowe moving from guard to center. And you had Jarrett Patterson moving from center to guard. And he was injured for much of camp. And it was just kind of like, hey – Let's give these kids more than two games okay. to develop. Now, if we'd have got the midseason and Zeke Carell was still playing bad, we'd have had a different conversation, right? If Josh Lug was playing bad, we'd had a different conversation. If J- Jared Patterson looked like he was injured and just not capable of getting the job done, we'd have had a different conversation. But by allowing them to continue to develop together, and that's another part of it too, is certain positions require a level of cohesiveness. If a cornerback is struggling, dude's just struggling. Right. I mean, you can't really put that on anybody else because it's not struggling when there's a blown coverage and the safety doesn't help out. That's not him struggling. That's the defense struggling with the offense is if I'm struggling, then that's going to impact the guy next to me. And 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 that's kind of how it, it goes. So it's kind of like let these kids get a couple games under their belt. And it, it, the light started to kind of go on late second quarter against Cal in game three. But really, in the second half, you started to see, OK, these kids are starting to figure it out. And then North Carolina happened, and then from then on, the offensive line was, for the most part, the rest of the year, really good. And the games they weren't as good, you could point to numbers. Like, the only game I thought the offensive line didn't play well was Navy. I didn't think they played well against Navy. They passed pro to okay, uh, but they didn't play well against Navy. I didn't think they played bad against USC. USC just said, you're not running the ball. We're going to put nine, ten guys near the box. We're going to make you beat us with Rupine, and he couldn't do it. You know, a 23 of 20, but he couldn't beat them. He couldn't make the plays he needed to make on those drives that resulted in turnovers to get points. You get points out of those two drives, it's a different ball game. 
You know, even if even if USC scores right back after you make it 17-14 to make it 24-14, 24-14 looks a whole lot different than 24 to 7. And then that late drive in the game when it's 37 to what was it 37 to 21, you know, instead it's 37 to 28 and you've got the ball or it's 30 30 to 21 and you've got the you know, you've got the ball as opposed to 30 to 14 or whatever the case may be. Those extra scores matter. And and so because you couldn't it's again the mistakes that they had in that game were not the turnovers were not USC making a play. It was they were unforced errors. And so it's the context of it too, Ryan, is younger players step in and in, 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 on the corner, on the edges, and then you've got some veterans moving around playing new positions. That's why I was a little more patient with JD Bertrand early in the year. He's moving to Mike. You know, and I thought he got better. Still not great, but got better. Jack just kind of was who he was all year. Marist kind of was who he was all year. There was no context. He was playing a position he'd been playing his whole career at Notre Dame. There was not the additional context of let's just let him play out to the degree of where you're okay with it towards the end of the year. Early in the year, we defended it. Maris missed last year. Let's give him some time. JD's positioning. But after about middle season, you're like, okay, this is just kind of who they are. Right. And this isn't good. Right. And so that's the difference. And so when you get to late in the season, you have enough of a body of work to be able to say, hey, we've got to get some of these young guys ready to go so that way our depth is better next year and we can have more competition in the spring. Or it's like, this dude's not playing well. We need to give that guy a chance to go seize the job now. Those are the two circumstances, but it's based off of a whole body of work, in my opinion. All right, let's get to a couple few more here before we get out of here. Um, Leighton Burkholder has a question. He says, "With the coaches that maybe didn't coach up to fresh, for, uh, uh, coach up the freshman of Freeman Standard, is next year their proving year to keep their jobs?" I, I I don't know if that's how you should look at it. If you're Marcus Freeman, it's more about we've got to get better. Yes. I I don't want to coach in a circumstance where he feels. The pressure of it. You don't do a better job. You're fired. I mean, he's he's because he's not going to give you his best. He's going to be trying to do protect his job, right? It's hey, what is the standard here? The standard mm-hmm. is a championship. I didn't coach well. It, I'm Marcus Freeman for this conversation. Okay, I didn't do a good enough job getting this coaching staff and this team ready to go. Eight four is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Coach Reese, it's not good enough. And Coach Reese needs to be able to see that. Coach Eastan, you did some really good things, but you know maybe some. And you go along the line and everybody needs to look in the mirror and be willing to say what I did well and what I didn't do well. And, and coach Mickens, who I praise nonstop. Hey, did, did a great job getting Benjamin Morrison ready to play. By the end of the year, Cam Hart was playing at a very high level, but we didn't quite get Jaden Mickey where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Tariq was really good. We got a lot out of Clarence Lewis. He he was solid this year in that role, but you know what? I, sh- I need to do a better job getting Jaden Mickey ready to go. I guarantee you, Mike Mickens is having that conversation. I remember reaching out to a source uh, the, close to him after the Syracuse game, trying to understand. He's like, no, that was my fault. Benjamin got beat on that touchdown because of me. I took ownership of it. Not In the past, it would have been, well, kid didn't do what I asked him to do, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. No, that was on me. I told him this thing, and it was the wrong thing to do, and bam. And then that from, But what happened after that? Jaden Mickey dominated the rest of that game, right? And then, of course, that set him into just playing great football down the stretch. If you know Mike Mickens at all, you know he's looking in the mirror and saying, "Yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Benjamin did good, but but man, I gotta get I gotta get Jade Mickey going." That's right. what the coaches do, and if and that's what I want to have those conversations about. 
if I've got a coach that's kind of arguing with me or justifying the job that just happened after eight and four, I don't know if that guy's the guy that I, that I can win a championship with. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I would hope that my criticisms of Tommy Reese are never as sharp as his own criticisms of himself. I would hope that that's true because the great ones are always are never satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want a championship, but you know what? We need to be better next year. That's what you want. That's what the great ones do. And, and that's what I hope want. That's more for me. If I'm Marcus Freeman is I want to be surrounded by coaches that I don't need to tell them that what they did wasn't good enough. They need to tell me that what they did wasn't good enough. And if yeah. a guy's wants to battle with me about, you know, is this good enough? Then I don't need to tell them you're coaching for your job. I know that's not a guy I'm going to win with. So I think that's more how I look at it, Ryan, as opposed to, Hey, if you don't do a better job coaching these freshmen, you're going to be out of here. I, I just, it's, Hey, how can we get our program to be the best it can be? This is what we need to do. How can we make adjustments to get that going? And then this is what we're going to do. And if a guy's not good enough to do that, then you just make a change. I don't want to put that burden of, I mean, every coach should know if you don't do your job, you're not going to have a job anymore. That's, that's a known in the coaching world. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to, if you have to tell a guy that you should already fire him, (laughs) right? He should already be gone because he's not good enough, Right. right? He should know that if he doesn't know that, then it's already time to move on. Forget giving him another year. It's already time to move on. Yeah. And I, I also think that every coach is different, right? Like there's different approaches to coaching. And then also there's different, I mean, you always talk about context, right? Like there's different context, to even some of the position groups that players coach, like offensive line, for instance, is one that develops at a very much slower rates, right? That's one that you need a couple years of maturation. Defensive line is the same way to a degree. There's other positions like corner, wide receiver, that maybe that transition's a little bit easier. So it's not simply you did a bad job this year, you're on job job watch, because there are some circumstances that you have to take into consideration and that you have to understand. Not every position develops at the same rate. Not every player develops at the same rate. You know, we, there's a lot of talented players that we've talked about during the show, but couple of them may have been a little further along than the uh, maybe another re- player in that regard, right? So I think it's just all about constant evaluation for me, right? Like Marcus Freeman should always be looking at, are these are these players progressing? If they're not, what's the reason for that? Were they not as far as long as we thought they were? Did they have a setback? Is the coaching not as good? Like there's just all this constant – I just think I just think there's always constant understanding of why things are happening and an yeah. evaluation process that always happens. It's not point blank period. It's understanding why things are happening. Right. So I just think that that context is something to consider. And are they fixable. making those decisions? Exactly. Right. Layton, really good question. Layton, really good question. Uh, seek and destroy Brian and Ryan. What letter grade would you give Golden for the overall job he did as the defensive coordinator this season? I say B. Yeah. Right. I'd say B. Say he did a B solid B job. Minus. Yeah. yeah solid B job. Minus. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I will say this too. They tended to pl- up until USC, they tended to have their better games against the better teams on the schedule. That's true. Right. Until USC. Um, I thought they did pretty well against North Carolina. Didn't finish mm-hmm. the way you wanted to did pretty good against Ohio state. Didn't finish the way you wanted to. Uh, sure. You know, so so they were at least emotionally ready in those games. I don't think they always executed. I don't think the game plan was always good, but I thought they did a good job of getting those kids mentally and physically ready to play. Uh, again, he did a good job this year. He just didn't do a great job. And Notre Dame, need, he, he did a good job. He didn't do a championship-level job, right? So that's the standard. It's not like a, 
great or he sucked, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not the world that we're living in right now. It's there's a lot of good that came out of this season. He did some good things. It's just good is not the the golden standard that Marcus Freeman talks about is not, hey, did a good job. It's no, it's did you do a good enough job for us to go out there and compete for a championship the way that you coach the game? And the reality is they didn't do that. They didn't coach championship football against Northwest or against Marshall. It, they championship teams when the offense who has been struggling gives you the lead back in the fourth quarter against a team that finished three and nine, you put them away. You make the stop that allows your offense to go out there and get the game done, right? You can't blame the offense. The offense gave Notre Dame a lead in the fourth quarter against Marshall and Stanford. And the defense gave it back with mm-hmm. long drives. Can't blame the offense for that. Now you can blame the offense. Well, it shouldn't have come down to those drives. Very true. Very true. But they, as bad as they played, they gave you a lead in the fourth quarter and you gave it right back. You can't blame the offense for that. No. You know, so, but there was also things where, I mean, Clemson game, dominant performance. This is one of the most complete games we've seen from Notre Dame in a long time. Offense, special teams, defense. So he did a good job this year. It's just, that's not good enough. Right. And that's the point. Right. Good enough isn't good enough. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's Exactly. exactly I mean, Brian, we always talk about gap closers when we, we talk about that with recruits and with players, right? But it's also gap closing coaches, right? Like mm-hmm. to, to close that gap. I, good does not win championships, right? Great mm-hmm. does. Great wins championships. And that's always the standard, right? And again, I don't think it has to be super hyperbolic. It's it's like either Al Golden's a great defensive coordinator or he sucks. No, Al Golden's a good defensive coordinator. Can he be great? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. And I hope that he can be. Same that he can be because I I think he's a decent guy. I think I, I bet I've always heard good things about him in the coaching world. Very respect respected guy. Um, you know, I, I think there was frustration from the players in regard to uh, the scheme and maybe not spending enough time developing younger players. I think that's a problem. But it was never a a thing where I heard he's not a he's not a good guy. He's he's right. he treats the players poorly. He treats the other. I've never heard anything like that. It's a good guy. He just needs to do a better job coaching, and that's 100%. that's the that's the deal. As does everyone else on staff. Mm-hmm. You went eight and four, right? I mean, even Brian Mason, who did a great job this year, there was a couple games you're like, you know, hey, I man, you got to get the kicker situation figured out, right? I mean, you know, there's a couple games where you need to get the kick return situation figured out, man. You had a chance to get some returns, and you know, so so everybody's got to do a better job. Everybody, there's some good things this year from some coaches, some really yeah. good things. Dela McCullough, really good things. Chancey Stuckey, really good things. Jared Parker, really good things. He stand. You know, Mike Mickens, Brian Mason. There's some really good things, but all of them have areas where their units have to be better. All of yep. them. Yep. And you would hope that I'm not the person. You would hope that me saying that is not news to them. That's the right. difference. Right. Right. So. Well, um, the great ones do that. Some do that self evaluation right. themselves. They don't right. need anybody to say it at all. That's right. So. Marky Stewart with a super chat. Thank you, Mark, for this. If we don't get Peyton Bowen, I'm out. LOL. Just kidding. You guys had a really good year. Keep up the good work. We appreciate you, Mark. And Mark is Mark is also one of the sort of the OGs. Mark's been around from pretty close to the beginning, if not the beginning. So we appreciate you being with us, buddy. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing is like it's you know, it's the community aspect of it. It's because I'll be I'll be honest with you, this is the first year that I've covered Notre Dame for any kind of website where we didn't see a dip in traffic memberships or other engagement when they lost games. It's wild. When I've worked at other places, 
Ryan, and I, pr- I prepared you guys for this after the first thing. I was like, dude, we're going to see a lot of people cancel the subscriptions because that's what happened when I was at the last two places I was at that were membership places. We didn't see that. We actually had net gains after the 0-2 start. And I think the reason why is, is because people said people wanted to understand what the heck was happening. And they knew that our, what the one reputation I hope is. we always have yeah. is we are Notre Dame fans. We will defend the coaches when they need to be defended. And we will be critical when there needs to be criticism. It's yes. not personal. Usually I'm not going to lie. Sometimes guys deserve to have some shots taken at them, not on this staff, but you know, previous coaches. Uh, but as much as I may like a coach or may love Marcus Freeman or, respect Harry he stand or respect you know Al Golden and the interactions I had with him when I was a young coach he was very kind and courteous and respectful to me and and uh you know and when a lot of division one coaches didn't treat us that way at coaches clinics he was that way I've always had a lot of respect for him but he didn't do a great job okay it's okay to say that right um you know I think people are thirsty to know what happened and not get well, I was praising these guys a week ago, and now we're ready to fire them all. That, that's not real analysis. Uh, people want to be told what the heck happened. They want to understand what's going on. And I think that's the reputation we've built, and I hope that we can continue to do that. And if we're not doing that, then it's up to our OGs like Mark to make sure that they hold us accountable. Like, you, guys aren't, you guys aren't as – you guys are softer on Freeman or harder on Freeman or whatever the case may be compared to how we were. Um, I always want to do that. Okay, Keith Wiegand says, uh, I think you have to give Golden a chance. He has only been uh, with these players for really nine months. Things don't improve next year, then there's a problem. Uh, Keith, so first of all, we're not here saying that Al Golden is, needs to get fired. Wow. We're not even hinting that. Our entire conversation was he needs to do a better job. Sure. Because um, what you just said, Keith, is if things don't improve next year, then there's a problem. So you're admitting that things need are not good enough right now. Right. So you're basically saying thing to Keith, same thing. We are that, that this year wasn't a job. Yeah. Growth needs to happen. The difference is, is we didn't see the improvement that we've seen from past defensive coordinators as the season went on. That's a concern, but we're not advocating for Al Golden to be fired. I don't know. Cause you can, you need to be able to do that. You need to be able to point out this guy's not doing a good enough job. Like Tom Reese, we need to be able to criticize Tom Reese and the job he does without it turning into fire him and fire the like come on guys like let's let's talk ball here you know and and yeah. not get to like, i have a buddy love him to death known him for 15 years but every time something bad happens who do you blame for that like what are you talking about blame like what is this, cnn fox news like what would <laughs> you blame in every time something bad happens got to blame somebody like dude here's what happened i can tell you what happened you know and i can tell you you know but not everything's about blame right that right. It's like it just i don't want to be that right but he didn't do a good enough job. Did he do a bad job? No, he didn't do a bad job. He did and, a B. And, and right? Al, Gold, be. Al, Al Golden's a New Jersey guy, too, so I root for him there endlessly. You go. All right. There you go. Uh, a B is a solid grade, but that's good enough. At a, that gets you a raise at some places. Mm-hmm. But in Notre Dame, that's not good enough. 100%. And it's okay to say both both of those things can be true. Did a good job, but not a good enough job. I think the phrase you said, Ryan, was great. Good enough is not good enough in a place like Notre Dame. Nope. I, I, I love it. I love it. Uh, Kevon asks, is Junior a permanent move to Viper or short-term added depth piece? I don't know the answer to that, Kevon, to be completely honest with you. I hope it's just a short-term thing. Now, he has been playing some Viper for a while, Ryan. We saw him playing Viper against Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. That game. So this has been happening for over a month. This isn't new. I don't know if it's permanent or not. I hope not. I hope it's not permanent. (laughs) 
It's a little weird though, love right? Him there. I mean, because even if you look at the Syracuse game, Brian, like they they weren't down injuries at Viper, were they in that game? Like they just made that move because so. they wanted to make the move, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I tend to, I, and I don't, I don't have any intel on this, so I'm not putting it out like this is the gospel, right? I feel like this might be a permanent move, but I, I don't know. I don't have any, I don't have any intel on that. It's just, I feel like they moved them there, you know, to start even when depth at Viper was good. So I don't know. It wasn't like it was a move out of necessity necessarily, you know? So. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This comment confuses me for Michael Campbell. Michael says, I have pushed back on the offense wearing out the defense versus Marshall and Stanford. Even the coach for Stanford was laughing at the Notre Dame offense. Uh, uh, here's my thing, Michael. We can debate the play of the offense in those two games, but if we're going to debate, debate us on what we actually said. We never said that the offense wore those teams out. Literally never said that. The mm-hmm. offense did not wear those teams out. What we said is a fact. The offense gave the team a lead in the fourth quarter of both games. That's what we said. Now, we also said that the offense played well in those games. No. Should the offense have played better in those games? We literally said yes. So I got I get it. You don't like Tommy Reese. I understand. He didn't do a great job this year. No one's arguing that the offense was great this year. No. My only point, though, Michael, is you can't deny the fact that in both of those games – the offense scored points that gave the team a lead in the fourth quarter. That's a fact. And in past years, when Marcus Freeman was defensive coordinator, when Clark Lee was defensive coordinator, and when Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator, more often than not, when the defense was given a fourth quarter lead, they held. Mm-hmm. They'd make the stops needed to win those games. That didn't happen this year. They blew a late lead against Ohio State. They blew a late lead against Marshall and against Stanford. That's on them. Did the offense play well in any of those games? No, the offense played bad in all three of those games. But they still had a lead late in the game of all three of those games. And an elite defense makes those plays. That's what we're saying. We're not saying the defense is the reason they lost. They shouldn't have only had a 14-13 lead against Stanford. But that's where they were. And they gave the lead back. So we got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. I say that all the time here. We need to be able to say offense didn't play well enough but the defense missed their chances to make plays too. We have to be – otherwise it becomes – this is just personal for you now. And I'm not saying you, Michael, in specific. I'm saying in general. If you're only, if you're always going to – when the defense does something wrong, you're always going to blame the offense, then it's no longer talking ball anymore or being honest and objective. You just clearly don't like that side. 
And that's not what we're going to do here. So, Michael, I'm with you. The offense played bad. They scored 10 freaking points against Ohio State. That's bad. They scored 21 points against a not very good Marshall team. Now, they ended up having a pretty decent defense, but the Notre Dame offense missed tons of opportunities in that game. Stanford, they should have scored 40 points against Stanford. They didn't. But you also can't deny the fact that in both games, they had a fourth-quarter lead, and the defense gave up scoring drives right after that. That that can't be denied either. We have to be honest about this. You know, I'm not giving Tommy Reese a B this year. He gets a much lower grade. But B is also not good enough for the defensive coordinator, Notre Dame. That's the reality of it as well. All right, Jared. Actually, another super chat from Mark Stewart. Thank you for this, Mark. Appreciate it. General recruiting. Do college coaches promise guys early playing time if a kid says it's important to him? Do they say whatever they have to? A lot do. A lot do. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. do. Not yeah. all. Not all. Not um, all. Nick Saban's very good about this. Mm-hmm. You talk to kids that go to Nick Saban, he rarely promises kids early playing time. Rarely. And some I, I know some instances where coaches have assistant coaches have gotten in trouble with him because they've tried to promise kids playing time. Yeah. Like they'll make promises, but they're usually financial ones or academic ones. They're not playing time ones. He that's partly why they've been able to have the success they're playing. A coach that always would promise kids playing time is Urban Meyer. And mm-hmm. I th- I believe that's part of the reason that they never uh, maximize their potentials because you had it same thing happened in Florida. He started off with this really strong foundation of team 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 and then started to recruit the stars from out of the region and then all of a sudden it became about the the attitude of the players and they were never the same team. And I think that hurt him at Florida. That's why they collapsed at the end right after signing a couple big-time recruiting classes. And I think that hurt him at Ohio State. That's why they never quite achieved the success they need to achieve and why Saban is just consistently over time. Because his thing is like, look, you don't want to be here. You don't want to compete. You don't want to be patient. That's fine. Cool. Go somewhere else. You know? And, and I think that I think that's why this – this transfer portal stuff has been so weird with Alabama, right, Brian? Because usually Alabama doesn't use a ton of pl- lose a ton of players to transfer right. portal because they actually are pretty honest with them for the most part, you know, which is interesting. Yeah. All right. So let's get to uh, another one here. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, Jared Rhodes says, one more question about supporting you guys, which is a better way for you guys financially, YouTube or listening on podcasts? So first of all, both. Uh, but – we, we, the, uh, it, uh, how do I say this? The payout for listening is better on the podcast than it is YouTube. Google yeah. is very much geared towards maximizing every possible way for them to take every dime possible. And that's okay. It's their business, right? We knew that when we signed up, totally fine with it, right? It, not, not a complaint. You, we knew exactly what we signed up for. It's just the podcast app is uh, more lucrative for us. Same shows, but more lucrative. So, uh, but we prefer both, right? And right now, CFB Nation, it's definitely the podcast because we're not monetized on YouTube. But we would appreciate if y'all could watch some of those videos. And when I put new ones up, just watch them and try to help us get up to 4,000 downloads. Because if we can create another revenue stream, then that opens up opportunities for us to then take that revenue and put it towards growing our staff. Because Ryan knows what we do. And, right? What do we do when we have a good year, Ryan? Y'all get a nice little something at the end of the year and okay we we've we've done well let's go make a new hire let's expand mm-hmm. our content staff you know and so uh as much as i would like to put it into the the driscoll family you know cruise fund that's not where it goes 
<laughs> Trust me, I'm in desperate need of a new car. Our second car is completely broken down. But uh, I've always said that the extra money we get will always go towards the business, not me. And so uh, that's what we're doing. And that's why we're looking to expand the staff in 2023. When it'll happen, who it'll be, I don't know. But we're working. We're working. Here's an interesting one from uh, Archer, our resident Ohio State fan. Twenty. Uh, which schedule is tougher, 22 or 23? Also, would you rather get Ohio State next year in game four or game one like this year? Ryan, I don't think it's close. I think 2023 schedule is much tougher. Yeah. Because it's it deeper. Is schedule. It is like, a lot deeper. You had USC, Clemson, and, and Ohio State just like this year. Mm-hmm. You get Clemson on the road, Ohio State at home. Ohio State may not be as good next year. That's the thought. Some people say, mm-hmm. well, they're going to lose it. Sometimes losses can be additions. Distraction. T- yep. Right. Sometimes just and not because it's a bad thing, but sometimes your the makeup of your team changes that maybe fit your style better or whatever. They get USC at home. So that part helps. But it's the rest of the schedule that I think is challenging, too, is they play Ohio State and USC within the first five, six weeks of the season. Yeah. So yeah. they get those games early. Now, they're both at home, which is good, but they got to go to Clemson in November. They also play at Duke who we anticipate who went eight and four this year. And we anticipate being a good team this year. They play at Louisville who just hired Jeff Brom. They're going to be good next year. They play at NC state who just won what eight, nine games, right. Mm -hmm. Finished in the top 25 and they play Pitt at home. Who's going to be decent. You know, they're typical team, team, right. And then they also play wake forest at home. So I think next year's schedule, the top three next year may not be potentially may not be as good as the top three this year. I, I would say that's debatable. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the counter to that would be, yeah, maybe they may not have the talent that they had this year, which again, debatable, but you get two of them at home this year, as opposed to getting two of them on the road last year. Very true. Right. Right. But the depth of this year's schedule was not great. And we talked about that before the season, like after the top three, four teams, North Carolina was pretty good. Like it was a top three, big drop off North Carolina, big drop off to everybody else. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more depth on that schedule next year of good teams. Wake Forest is a good team. Uh, Duke's a good team. Louisville's a good team. NC State's a good team. And you get all three of those on the road. And mm-hmm. then Pitt's a quality team. So mm-hmm. it's the depth of the schedule next year to me that makes it harder, Ryan, in my view. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and I mean, for his second part of the question, Brian, with uh, Ohio State game one or game four, I mean, my initial thought is I'd rather see them earlier in the season because I think that I mean, they're going to be replacing what CJ Stroud, absolutely right. They might they're going to be replacing both their offensive tackles, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. They're going to be replacing potentially Luke Whipler, from what I'm hearing. Kate Stover, maybe I don't know if he's going to test the NFL waters. Then you got Zach Harrison's going to be off that team. Both defensive tackles, um, at least Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage. Tommy Eichenberg, you never know. Steel Chambers, mm-hmm. you never know. Couple I think of safeties. Uh, Archer had said during the show that Steel Chambers announced today that he's coming back. That's good for is, him. Is okay. he? I don't know if that happened or not, but I'm just saying Archer said that during the show gotcha. that he announced gotcha. he's coming back. I mean, either way, though, you're you're losing a lot, especially the offensive line is where I look at because they're not bringing in a great offensive line class this year either. I mean, their top mm-hmm. guy right now is what, like Luke Montgomery? And Yeah, I mean, he's ranked VIA high, but I'm and, not a big fan of him. Yeah. Also, yes. So, I mean, they, they have a lot of answers that need to happen at offensive line. And, I mean, we expect Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever the quarterback is, to be good. But first game of the season versus fourth game of the season, I mean, I'd rather take the first, personally. 
I would, I would, I'm fine either way. To be honest with you, truly, mm-hmm. I, I am. I mean, obviously, there, there's, and the reason I say that is, is because I think next year's Notre Dame team is going to be interesting. You're going to have a different quarterback, no matter what, because I count Tyler Buckner as a new quarterback because he only played three, three games this year. You're going to have a, I think, a different look on offense. You're, you're going to need to, you're going to have some youth in spots on defense. I hope that you want to get those guys some experience. And plus you get the triple option out of the way early. And so next year, unlike most years, Notre Dame actually has three warm-up games before they get to Ohio State. Notre Dame normally doesn't have that. And I think next year's team is going to need it because I think next year's team has a chance to be really good. But there's going to be some new guys and new spots that are very important. You know, you're going to have a new Viper. You're going to have two new interior guys on the offensive line. Your line's going to need some time to get going. You know, last year you had to do that against an Ohio State team that went 12, uh, 11 and one, and a Marshall mm-hmm. team that went, what, eight and four? Yeah. Next year you're doing it against Navy and Tennessee State. <laughs> the point being, you could play exactly the same way next year in the first two games that you played against Ohio State and Marshall, and you're two and oh, and three and oh, because you get Central Michigan the next week. And so that's the thing for me is, is when you play that tougher schedule earlier, when your team needs time to develop, because you don't necessarily have a really veteran team, playing a weaker schedule early allows you to get right the right way. I mean, Central Michigan went, what, four and eight this year, Ryan? Something I believe. Like they were very good. Yeah. Uh, and so good. I think those warm-up games are going to be needed next year for me. This well, year I felt like the reason I wanted this year to be different is because Ohio State had – so many new coaches, mm-hmm. and I thought Notre Dame's defense was going to be experienced enough that that I don't want to give that Ohio State team four games to kind of get rolling, right. and that kind of turned out to be accurate. I mean, you know, I they 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 kind of got rolling. Now next year, the the things the coaches are going to be back, but they're going to have a new quarterback and all that. I'm not really worried about that. I don't think I think Kyle McCord will be just fine in game one or game two or whatever. I you know I, I think they'll be good there. It's more about I want Notre Dame to be the best it can be. Because I don't care what Ohio State does if Notre Dame's as good as it can be. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Where this year is like you want to catch Ohio State at the right time because I didn't want to play Ohio State later in the year. Next year, if Notre Dame is the team I think they can be, I'll play you whenever. But give Notre Dame time to become that team first as opposed to this year where they caught two L's before they finally hit their stride, and then now you're just kind of playing catch-up all year. Right. You know, And so that's why I would say next year I'm, I'm kind of okay with them with them because they both like actually I would argue Ohio State has a tougher one two three than Notre Dame does they play at Indiana in the opener and mm-hmm. then they play Western Kentucky the week before which is going to have an offensive can score and then they play Youngstown State um I mean I I could be wrong here but uh I believe Youngstown State is still a much better team than Tennessee State is right well, Tennessee not, State's not, not a nice not, not if uh Eddie George suits up for Tennessee State next year know, right seriously <laughs> Uh, hard pass on that. I don't want to deal with that action. Uh, but don't Youngstown State this year went eight and four. Uh-huh. They lost to Kentucky. They lost at North Dakota by thirteen. They mm-hmm. lost to, Nor- to uh, North Dakota State by thirteen, and they lost to North Dakota by five. Those mm-hmm. are three good teams. And then they lost to Southwest Missouri State late as well. So, uh, or Missouri State, which is I believe where Bobby Petrino is. Correct. That is correct. Uh, and they lost that game by three. So Youngstown's a good team. Uh, so both of them have kind of warm-ups, but I would argue Ohio State's going to be a little bit tougher the first three games in Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame's gets hard after that, and that's another reason sure. why 
like the idea of the warm-up games, you know, to kind of let your team get going. Because once you get into that stretch, it's like, okay, there's no weeks off. <laughs> no weeks off next year, you know. Yeah, and and uh, you want to kind of be as fresh as possible getting in that stretch. It's a tough stretch, man. It's a really tough stretch. Yep. Yeah, it, it is not going to be fun. But I think this team is good enough to do it if yeah. they can get their stride. It would be yep. my question. So really good question, Archer. Really good question. Uh, and uh, a good way to end. So yes, I do think next year's schedule is going to be is going to be a, a battle. It's going to mm-hmm. definitely be a battle. Um, so uh, last one, Irish blood. Speaking of Navy, any thought of the class it was to fire the Navy head coach in the locker room after the game? Seemed kind of like a Lane Kiffin on the tarmac kind of thing. Look, I don't know what actually happened, Ryan. So I want to get that out. I've only heard what I you know stuff like this. Yeah, I'll say this. What I what I do feel confident in saying that we know is what Ken Niamatololo said afterwards, which is I was told after the game I was being fired. I felt that was such an incredibly classless way for Navy to handle this. Navy's supposed to be better than that. This is a guy that gave you everything he had for a long time. Yep. Turn down job offers to mm-hmm. stay at Navy to deal with all the restrictions that you give him. And he was a loyal soldier for you. And I, and I use that, you know, obviously that, um, that term somewhat loosely when we're talking about the, the Naval Academy, but you know, this is a guy that's been with you since 2002. Wow. He gave you 21 years of service because he was the his, uh, O-line coach before he took over as a head coach in 07. This guy led you to a conference championship game three times, I believe. Mm-hmm. Led you to seven, 11 bowl games. And you're going to do them like that. Now, look, am I saying that they're wrong for firing him? No, I'm not. They went three and seven, four and eight, and four and eight the last three years. Perhaps it is time for a change. Sure. It's not, it's like with anything. It's like with Dylan Edwards decommitting. I don't have a problem with Dylan Edwards decommitted from Notre Dame. If he feels somewhere else is better for him, do what you got to do. I have a problem with the way he did it. I have 100%. no problem with Drew Pine deciding in their transfer portal. I have no problem with him deciding in their transfer portal. I have a problem with the way he did it, right? Mm-hmm. I have no problem with Navy deciding it's time for a change. I get that. I think Ken Niamatololo might even acknowledge that, right? But it's the way that they did it. He deserved right. better than that. Mm-hmm. This guy won you 11 games twice, won you 10 games. You know how bad you were for the 40 years before he took over? You know what I mean? I mean, Paul Johnson kind of started it somewhat, but then that guy took you to new heights. He's not the one that forced you into a conference, which was one of the worst things for Navy. Joining the conference was the beginning of their downfall, in my opinion. Because now teams see him every single every year. year. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I I just thought the way they did it was classless and disrespectful, Agreed. and he deserved better than that yep. in my opinion and i've never i've never heard anything negative about him as a person either so like what does he he's do? got, does he he's got he is a little arrogant but like he's a football I mean, coach sure. yeah that's <laughs> every coach you know and, and i thought early in his i didn't think he showed respect for notre dame when they first started playing each other but that changed over time mm-hmm. like some of his antics on the sideline just bothered me early on you know it's like dude yeah. you're kind of being disrespectful a little bit but it was fire it was passion it was energy it was yeah. it was that stuff it wasn't like it wasn't like Philip Rivers taunting Jay Cutler from the other sideline, right? Where you're just like, dude, you're a prick. You I know, it Philip wasn't Rivers. that. It I was just him. fiery. And, and But over time, you could really sense the appreciation that he developed for that rivalry. Right. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. But but he gave that program everything he had. And um, the manner in which they went about terminating him, to me, is a joke. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like a Monday morning conversation in a closed room, right? right. Like not to embarrass someone like that. Right. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was, and right after the army game too, Uh huh. you know, and, and I don't care how they lost. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he got fired because of how they lost. It's kind of like the thing with Herm Edwards. You know, I kind of yeah. get Arizona State doing that with Herm because Herm did some shady stuff as the head coach there. <laughs> yes, he did. Right, like, yes, you know, did. like you kind of tore this program down. You you disrespected this job. You cheated. You did. You know what? You kind of brought this on yourself, cuz. Right. That's not true for Kenny Amatololo. It's not true for him. Like Lane Kiffin, like, okay, he was kind of same thing. Like, yeah, that guy, that guy got fired for reasons beyond just they lost a football game. <laughs> Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, with Kenny Matalolo, from everything I've ever been told, he was pure class, mm-hmm. and he deserved better than that. Yep. In my opinion. Agree. Agree. And um, that's that. So, uh, curious who their new head, have they announced a new head coach yet? I don't think they I don't have. Think right. So. I don't think the so. The next question is going to be: Do they have to? Do they stay in the triple option? Do they believe that that's the only way they can win or not? That's going to be very fascinating. Man, I hope I, they hire someone that doesn't run the triple option. I would love that. Air raid team. I don't care. Just not the triple option. And this isn't about me hating the triple option. It's just the un- it's just the challenge of uh, it would be great to for Notre not have to prepare for that, right? Yes, so that's um that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> so yeah, no, my luck. They'll just add army now every year. Navy goes away oh, from yeah. the triple option. Notre Dame signs a ten year contract. Air Force, army. yeah, or Air Force, exactly. yeah. 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 Oh my goodness gracious. That would be terrible. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so, so much for being with us today. We appreciate that. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Uh, Sign up for the message boards at boardsonarsbreakdown.com. We kind of like a little mini infomercial based on some of those questions we had during the show. Um, We appreciate that greatly. Sign up for the message boards at boardsonarsbreakdown.com. Listen to the website at arsbreakdown.com. Sign up for the channel, CFB Nation podcast channel. We would love it if you guys could watch some of those videos and uh, help us get our watch hours up so we can eventually get that monetized and then grow that platform even more. Uh, and, and of course, subscribe to the CFP Nation podcast app, too, because the numbers for that are really good right now. But that's because we're putting those shows on the Irish Breakdown RSS feed. I've ran a couple tests where I didn't put a show on the RSS feed for Irish Breakdown and the numbers, the plays were really, really low. Uh, so if you guys like that content that Irish Breakdown, the CFP Nation channel gives, Make sure that you're you're going to it from as best you can from the CFP Nation app because eventually we're going to transition all that stuff off of the Irish Breakdown uh, app feed and put it just on CFP Nation because I don't want it for perpetuity to be a bunch of non-Notre Dame stuff on the Irish Breakdown uh, app. So uh, we would like to eventually be just Notre Dame stuff. And uh, that's where we're going to be. So check that out on the CFB Nation podcast app. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Uh, and then, of course, we have links to it in our in our different promotions and different things we're doing. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Y'all have a great, great rest of your day. Tonight, 6 o'clock, Sean and Vince are going to have their weekly mailbag. So check that out. And we will just say it now. Friday will be the return of the Friday free-for-all mailbag. So the Friday free-for-all mailbag is back we will have that. It is now officially the offseason. Uh, obviously, we'll miss one because, you know, there's a game. But it is back and back in force. And so that will get rocking and rolling here uh, as we move forward uh, and close out the season. So Friday mailbag will be back starting this Friday. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock again talking more Notre Dame football. So thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. And we will see you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.